Welcome to the Men of Iron Podcast, equipping men for growth in your faith, family, friends, fitness, and finances. Check out menofiron.org to learn more about how you can get involved in or support the vision of changing a culture one man at a time. Thanks for listening. Here's your host, Chad Zook. Welcome to the Men of Iron Podcast. This is episode 76. My name is Chad Zook. I am the host of the show. We're concluding a series today called Five Ways to Fight Discouragement and Confusion. This is actually part six. And we're talking about knowing your goals and desired destinations. We're talking about vision, goals, and what's your end game for life. We'll get to that and so much more in this podcast that is a solo cast. But for now, I want to talk to you about Men of Iron Plus. It's one of the sponsors for this episode. Men of Iron Plus is a monthly subscription plan through Men of Iron. It's $5 a month for an individual subscription. There's also a group rate. Uh, So it's not $5 a month for a group, but it's $5 a month for an individual. And you can find that at menofiron.org slash store. It's just a great way for you to connect. If you like what, what we're doing here at Men of Iron, there are some extra videos and extra content that you can only find through the monthly subscription. So if you're interested in Men of Iron Plus, go to menofiron.org store. And while you're there, check out some of our swag. Need a personal financial coach? Doug Kaufman can help with that. Whether it's a business or personal finance, Kaufman's have trained CPAs ready to help you. They're ready to help you to have financial clarity and peace of mind. They develop for you a step-by-step plan to make your financial goals a reality. And they don't just create the plan and then leave you hanging. Instead, what they do is they continue with you to track progress and to celebrate wins. And a win is determined by you, so you can have financial clarity and peace of mind. They work really hard at helping people to understand where their money's going and also for them to help uh, to have the finances to reach the goals that they want. So Doug Kaufman and his team can be found at kaufmancpa.com, K-A-U-F-F-M-A-N-C-P-A.com. Doug and his team have been doing virtual coaching and doing virtual CPA work for quite a long time, since before COVID. This was actually part of their business strategy. They know how to do it. They know how to connect with you. I talked to Doug a couple weeks back and man, he knows his stuff. We shaped up a great conversation and I was really inspired and challenged by what he said. And I believe that Doug and his team are going to be able to help you to go to the next level so you can have clarity, financially speaking, and you can have peace of mind. If that's something that you need, go see Doug at KaufmanCPA.com. So let's talk about one of my favorite topics, vision, taking the long view of life. What does winning look like? Let's talk about goal setting. Let's talk about Seneca. Seneca is the person who wrote the quote that really inspired this whole series. Of course, uh, just as you heard in the intro, this is part six of a series of the five ways to fight discouragement and confusion. Seneca's quote was this, If a sailor doesn't know to what port he is sailing, no wind is favorable. So if a sailor doesn't know where he's going, it doesn't matter what kind of uh, favorable environment he's in. It doesn't matter about what's empowering him. It doesn't matter. None of that matters if he doesn't know where he's going. You and I need to know where we're going, and we also need to know 
what it is that we hope to achieve while we're on our way, and also at the end, who it is that we want to be if we actually get what we wanted. So if you don't know where you're going, you will be disappointed and confused and probably exhausted. Let's face it, we all have a limited amount of time and energy, so we need to be clear about our objectives and goals. Now, I'm just assuming that you don't just have a plethora of time and energy, just like an abundance. I'm assuming you're like every other human being, that you have a limited amount of time and energy, and you're trying to squeeze a lot of things, it seems like, in a really small container to try and get the biggest bang for your buck. That's what I'm trying to provide for you in this podcast episode. So we need to be clear about our objectives, our goals, what's our vision, what is it that we want to achieve, and who is it that we want to become if we actually get there. I want to start, I've, I start with the story actually about whenever I was in the Navy, and I've shared a couple stories along the way, but as a sailor in the Navy, we would set out, both deployments that I went on, we would set out from Norfolk, Virginia, I, I refer to it as the armpit of America, sorry if you are in Virginia, I didn't really care for that area. I spent a lot of time there, spent summers there. It's not like the epicenter of beauty. Sorry. I'm sure there's something great there. You can uh, you can send me a message to @chadzook on Instagram and let me know everything that's cool about Norfolk, Virginia if if you are one to defend Norfolk. But as a sailor in the Navy, we set out from Norfolk across the, and we would cross the Atlantic and go into the Mediterranean Sea or the Red Sea. And in both deployments, I spent a considerable amount of time in the Persian Gulf. You see, when we left the port in Norfolk, we knew that unless there was a national disaster that had happened or we had gone to war, we would be home on a specific date. We knew that ahead of time. It would have been so chaotic and so confusing and so disappointing and just exhausting, truthfully, if we wouldn't have known when we were coming back. We knew when we were leaving, that was set in stone. And we also knew that unless there was some off-the-wall circumstance, uh, that we were going to be back on a specific date. This brought great hope to us because we knew that it was going to be a six-month deployment. And we could tell our loved ones, hey, we're coming back home on this day. You see, for us, we need to know where we're going and who we hope to have become on the journey there. So we need to know where we're going. What, what is the vision? Where are we going in this? And maybe you're thinking about this through the, the lens of the five Fs, faith, family, fitness, finances, and friendships. Where am I going? And who do I hope to have become on the journey there? I think many times we get lost in this and we get so bent on the vision and what it is that we want to do and accomplish great things and we set all these goals and all that's amazing and, and all that can be outside of ourselves. But I think we also have to look at what is it that, or who is it rather that we're going to become on that journey there. In other words, that's our character. Our character is shaped by by what we do in the middle of life and what we're what we're doing how we're handling conflict how we're handling adversity how we're handling these challenges if we're reaching these goals are we going to be prideful if we reach these goals are we going to glorify God if we reach these goals are we just going to become selfish and reach these goals or is it going to be a goal that that is for the betterment of of humanity and for the glorification of God. I think we have to go back and ask this question continually. It doesn't matter which one of the five F's you drill down into, faith, family, fitness, finances, or friendships. We need to know where we're going and also 
who you hope to have become on the journey there. These become important metrics for us as we grow in our walk with God. This is a Christian men's podcast. I am unapologetic about that. That's who I am. This is this is who we are. And if you are not a follower of Jesus and you're just like tuning into this podcast, I just want to say, hey, thanks for, for taking the time to lean into this. There's definitely going to be some things here that you can uh, just grasp, especially at the back part of this podcast. But for a minute, I'm going to talk about something um, just that pertains to men of faith. And there's this particular book of the Bible. It's a really short book in the New Testament. It's really not a book. It was written as a letter uh, to a, a church, a small church in a place called Philippi, an ancient, uh, ancient city and area uh, called Philippi. In Philippians 1, 9 through 10, or 9 through 11, excuse me, says this. And, and just so you know, Paul is writing this to a group of people that, that he, he admired and he loved and he cared for, and he's trying to encourage them to grow in Christian maturity and increase their spiritual understandings. This is what he says. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. I want you to understand what really matters, that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this, I will bring much glory and praise to God, so that you will be blameless until the day of Christ. What Paul's saying here is he says, I'm setting this vision for you as a people. And not only for that that church in Philippi, but for all of us who claim the name to be Christ ones or to be Christians, to be followers of Jesus, to take this mantle, is what Paul says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more, that, that we'll be growing, growing in knowledge and understanding, is what he says. For I want you to understand what really matters. Wow, we live in a day and age where people don't really know what matters the most, where we get all caught up in what's going on in all the cultural agendas and all the hashtags and all the cancel culture and all the BLM movement and all the you know, all of the the redefining gender, all of this stuff, what's going on with the Olympics? There's so many things in in our in our society, our world right now that could take us away from who it is that God wants us to be. Because what God wants us to be and who He wants us to become while we're living this life here on earth is to be lives that are are defined by purity and they're blameless, not perfect, but blameless as we walk with God. And Paul reassures his audience and us. He says, may you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. In other words, our our salvation produces something in us. As we grow in our walk with Jesus Christ, there's something about that that is is made right, that is made true. And what he says here in verse 11, he calls it a righteous character that's produced in your life by Jesus Christ. So the closer that we grow in our relationship with Jesus, the more our character is more righteous based upon the righteousness of God. And he says, for this will bring much glory and praise to God so that they will be blameless until the day of Christ. He he continues in this way in in a different letter. I'll connect uh, back to uh, Philippians in just a moment. But he says this, At the time of your salvation, I want you to know that God begins His work in us. So that's just the beginning. When God saves someone, 
Uh, he, he saves a man. It's, it's a miraculous. Every salvation story, there's no big or little story. They're all miraculous. They're all amazing. It's all a matter of God regenerating a human being uh, in, just into a spirit being. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says this, that we're made alive in Christ, regenerated, and we're made new. Then, through an ongoing, lifelong process, we, we engage in something that's kind of a Bible word called sanctification. This is when God is putting His finishing touches on us. God is perfecting us, and He's completing His work in us. Now, I'll get back to a Philippians verse, verse 1-6. This is what Paul said. Paul referred to this process when he said this, He who, he who began a good work in you will complete it, until the day of Jesus Christ. So spiritual growth ought to continue in steadfast believers until the day Jesus Christ returns or we leave this earth. It should continue. We should morph. We should grow. We should be transformed. Our our regeneration process, we're being made new. This is uh, the work of God in a Christian's life. This is the reason why we should expect to change. Well, what does this have to do with vision and goals? Isn't, aren't those just business terms? No, they're not just business terms. The, the, long, the long view of a walk with God is that we're going to spend eternity with God in heaven. That's the long view of life. But we live in the present. We live in the present while being mindful of our future. You see, with the Spirit's just uh, exquisite touch, Paul dropped this as well. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's Philippians 3.20. I know I'm giving you a lot of verses, but I want you to, to really take root of this, because this has taken root in me. And I want us to, to know, if we're men of faith, to know, okay, what are our goals? Our goals need to be centered around who it is that God wants us to become and what it is that God wants us to to do. Now, that's the reason why the five F's, all of those things, the five F's, they start with faith because faith, we believe faith touches every other element of the five F's. Faith touches family, faith touches fitness, faith touches finances, and faith touches friendships. If we're going to become more like Jesus as we're regenerated and we're made new, we should expect change. We live in the present while being mindful of our future. Our future is heaven, but we live in the present. We live in the here and now. One more passage. Philippians 3, 12 through 14 says this. Not, Paul says, Not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I'm encouraged just reading these words. Hopefully you are as well. But what is Paul saying? In one way, he's saying you need to be mindful of your future, but in in another way, you need to engage in the present. You need to live in the present. He uses these these words, words that we can really uh, gain traction with in our life. He says, not that I'm made perfect because none of us are here. He says, but I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus Christ took hold of me. He says, I didn't didn't receive that. I'm not perfect in that. But he said, there's one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, and I'm straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize 
for which God called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So I press on. There's work to be done. We live in the present while being mindful of our future. But just because we may be followers of Jesus, we've committed our life to Jesus, it doesn't mean that's our end point. That's actually our beginning point. Well, how can we know when we're winning spiritually? This this seems to be really vague. This seems to be vague coming out of pulpits. It seems to be vague coming out of podcasts. It seems to be even vague coming out of mentorship sometimes. It's like, well, are there... Are there things that I can just gain metrics of in my own life so I can know that I'm I'm growing? And I would absolutely say yes. There are scoreboards in sports and baseball and football and golf and everything else. There are scoreboards that let you know exactly how you're doing. And I want you to know it's not the exact same way, but there are scoreboards to measure spiritual growth. So I love how John Mark Comer defines spiritual maturity or spiritual formation, or we'll take it a step further than him, spiritual growth. He says we can define or characterize spiritual maturity in, this, in these three ways. To be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what he did. So for us, we can know that we are winning. That's our scoreboard to see how we're doing in faith by these three metrics. How much time are we actually spending with Jesus? Are we actually becoming like Jesus? When you, look at, when you look at the life of Jesus, is your life looking more and more progressively, is the term, progressively looking more and more like Jesus? Or is it looking like your old, un, you know, unregenerated self? What does, it look, what does it look like? And do what he did. Are you doing what Jesus did? Are you, are you being the kind of person that Jesus was? You see, these are three metrics that you can bring into your mentorship, bring into your church space, bring into your discipleship, bring into your marriage, bring into your friendships, bring into your, your band of brothers. To, so these things can be real ways uh, just to have metrics to say, how am I doing in my walk? Am I growing? Like, my goal is to become more and more like Jesus, of course, but how do I do that? You do that by being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what he did. So what are you going to see an increase in? You're going to see an increase in generosity, because all of these are so evident in Jesus' life. You're going to see an increase in generosity. You're going to see an increase in kindness. You're going to see an increase in meekness. You're going to see an increase in courage. You're going to see an increase in manly strength. You're going to see a decrease in fear. You're going to see a decrease in timidity. You're going to see an increase in serving others. You're going to see generosity, kindness, meekness, gentleness, courage, manly strength, a decrease in timidity, a decrease in fear, and an increase in service to others. But we need to do something. We can't just sit idly by and expect God to do all these things for us and through us. We need to engage. So I was watching a uh, Instagram reel the other day, and it's, it, and it really struck me. I, I don't really get into the reels. I understand that they're addictive and they're made to be addictive. I don't really get into the reels, but this one really, it really got my attention. I'll set the stage with this. There was a young lion just staring at this herd of smaller animals that was running by. And you can see that it's there to hunt, but it appears timid. After a few minutes of watching what, may, what looks like hundreds, definitely a hundred or hundreds of animals run by him, he's just watching. He's just watching this, this, this small young lion is just watching 
these animals run by him, and you can see that he that he's he's there to hunt. He's there to eat. But just as he's standing there watching all of them pass by him, out of the the corner of the screen, the left side, the corner of the screen, a larger lion leaps into the frame and he takes down a passing animal in an instant. The smaller lion was hesitant and missed an opportunity. Both had the same vision. They were hunting. But only one followed through. You see, one was able to... To eat, one was able because it accomplished its vision to get what it desired, while the other one was sit, sitting there and basically watching it all happen. See, this is a key element to fighting discouragement and confusion, because not only is it us having the vision of what it is that we are supposed to do, but it's moving towards that vision. What is the desired destination of your life? What is your long view of life? What are the markers along the way to remind you of your success? A couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity of hiking on the Appalachian Trail. It was just a, a day-long hike. It was about 12 or so miles, 11 or 12 miles. It was great. I was out there by myself enjoying some silence and solitude. There was hardly anyone on the trail on this particular part in Georgia. And just so you all know that the Appalachian Trail begins in Georgia and it goes all the way to Maine. And it's all the way from Georgia to Maine. It's marked by these white marks on trees. They're called blazes. These white blazes, they're all the exact same uh, shape, uh, the same size, and the same uh, color. They all start white anyway. Some of, our, some of them are faded. But if, if I were to get onto the Appalachian Trail at Springer Mountain, Georgia, which I've seen, that is the, that's the, trail, the southernmost trailhead of the Appalachian Trail. If I were to get on that trail, I could follow those white blazes all the way to Maine, to Mount Katahdin in Maine. I could follow it all the way there. Why is that relevant? Because these are the markers along the way to remind you that you're going the right way, and also to remind you of how far you've gone. Because there are, there are markers along the way as you follow along these white blazes to let you know, hey, this is how much further you have to go to the next place. And here are these blazes to let you know the direction. You see, people with goals succeed because they know where they're going. People with goals succeed because they know where they're going. It isn't just grit. It isn't just determination. It isn't just because they have this, this vision that's white hot. It isn't just those things. Those are awesome. They're needed things. But people with goals succeed because they know where they are going. And because they know where they're going, they have their eye on this, on this desired destination that is what they're that's what they're after that is what their goals are set to achieve when i was in middle school i ran the 800 meter run so the 800 meter run is an interesting it's it's kind of like a, a middle distance it's not a 400 which is a, a dead sprint it's not a mile the four trips around the 1600 meter run but an 800 meter run you have to train very specific for that, all, all of the things you have to train specifically for. But this one is, is a little nuanced and a little different. I was never that good. I was always a middle-of-the-pack runner. 
and and I had a really hard time trying to figure out that distance because I would either I would either blow it out and then be done after 400, or I would I would leave more in the tank and I wouldn't be able to be wrung out at the end of 800. But the the beauty of it is it's not a mile and it's not a 400 either. It's somewhere in between. You see, to train for the 800-meter run, and some of you know this because you also ran the 800-meter run either in middle school or in high school, but to hit that that 800-meter run and to do well at that, you have to train for that specific goal in mind. If you ran track, you live this, you know this. And in so much even more, now, as we're talking about the Olympics, and maybe you're some frustrated about some of the things that are going on with the Olympics, like I'm frustrated, but with the Olympics, there's so many like pictures of this, really, because they train specifically for events, and the way they train for every event is a little bit different. However, I want to step back for just a minute and just to uh, give you a little bit of kind of backstory, and this is from a 2008 article in Forbes that talked about just the common Olympic athlete and what their training regimen looks like. It said in this article that the typical, just common Olympic athlete, they spend four to eight years training in a sport before making an Olympic team. So think about that. They, they're training for four to eight years, and everything has to line up perfectly. But they plan out their training schedules years in advance so they can work towards and hit specific goals at the right time. Interesting concept, isn't it? You see, this probably won't be shocking, but to make sure that they hit their targets, athletes training at at one of the Olympic Training Center's facilities, they frequently meet with a whole team of people set to help them. They meet with a nutritionist, an exercise uh, physiologist, a sports medicine specialist, not to mention their individual coaches. They discuss their strengths, their weaknesses, and uh, accordingly, they tweak their diets and how they're, they're overloading and recovering techniques. And if, say, an athlete's body composition doesn't measure up to a certain standard for an event, more fitness sessions will be added to their individual schedule. While not every training regimen is the same, a day in the life of a high-level athlete begins early and ends late. Usually, it's 12-hour training days with with uh, design rest in between. What does all this have to do with, with what we're talking about today? You see, people with goals succeed because they know where they're going. The, Olymp- the Olympians, they succeed in making it to the Olympics because they know where they're going. They know that, hey, if I want to be an Olympian at this, this timetable, I need to begin four to eight years back from that. And not only that, do I not just have to have the vision, I also have to have intermediate goals and I have to have other people along the way speaking into my life and speaking into my training and speaking into my exercise and speaking into my nutrition and speaking into sports medicine and who's coaching me about my particular uh, bent towards life and fitness and whatever uh, the particular discipline that they're chasing after. They have to have people around them, encourage them, encouraging them to hit those long-term goals, but also the intermediate goals in between. To find out more about 
enjoying your crew and the type of people you should have to speak into your life, you need to back up one podcast. Check out episode 75. It's called Enjoying Your Crew. So I know you may be a little bit overwhelmed and maybe you're thinking, well, Chad, I need something to kind of make this concrete. And and that's what I want to do. But I want to encourage you with this. How do you eat an elephant? How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. How is it that you're going to accomplish a a God-given vision, a desired destination, or just something that you want to do, whether in your personal life, fitness life, your business life, relational life? How is it that you're going to achieve that? You're going to do that one bite at a time, one step at a time. But I want you to begin with the end in mind, just as Stephen Covey said. I want you to begin with the end in mind. Now, I want to I share with you what SMART goals are. Now, I'm not an expert in this. This actually is, uh, was generated by George Doran in 1981. You can find this all over the internet. I'll give you a brief synopsis of this just as a way you can have some traction. And also, I will add a, a SMART sheet link in the show notes. So if you want to take this a step further, you can go to uh, that website, smartsheet.com. And they have some uh, extra tips there to help you with these SMART goals. SMART is an acrostic, and the first, uh, the first part of that, the S, is specific. If you're gonna, uh, if you're gonna hit a goal, reach a goal, this desired destination, uh, I want you to think specific. State what you'll do, but and you also use words that convey action. Uh, don't use words that that are passive in nature, but ones that say you're going to do something or you're going to be something. Because when we do that, it puts our our, our foot forward and we begin we begin in a situation to where we're ready to engage with the work at hand. So uh, I'll break it down in this way. There's a who element to when talking about specific. So who consider who needs to be involved to achieve that goal. Maybe it's a mentor. Maybe it's a coach. Maybe it's your, maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a, a girlfriend. Maybe it's uh, your pastor. Maybe it's a small group leader. I don't know who it is, but who needs to be involved to help you achieve that goal? There's a what element. Think about exactly what you're trying to accomplish and don't be afraid to get very detailed. So it's the what aspect. When you start talking about the specific uh, goal, the specific part of that, the SMART goals, it's, it's, it's what. So uh, think specifically and exactly, uh, just using very detailed words, what is it that I hope to achieve? Another one is when. What's the time frame? You have to put a parameter on, on, on these goals. If you don't put a, ram- put a parameter on these, on these goals, and at this point, it's just a loose time frame. But if you don't have that, you're never going to achieve it. You're, you're going to be burnt out because you need that sense of, of urgency to kind of help you to know that, hey, there's a deadline coming. It, it adds to your willpower and kind of the stick to that's required. There's a which uh, part of this as well that's determining any related obstacles or requirements. So it's which. Uh, just helping you to determine any related obstacles or requirements, things that are going to be in your way when you're talking about the specific goal in mind. So it's determining what are the obstacles, what are the requirements. Uh, it also needs to be realistic. There's a why element. And this to me may be the most important. What is the reason for the goal? In this, I would just encourage a gentleman 
write down this why, write down the reason for the goal, write it down somewhere where you're going to see it all the time to remind you to stay on task. Maybe in your truck, maybe in your car, maybe on a mirror, maybe on your toolbox, maybe uh, in your cubicle, maybe on your desk. I don't really know where it needs to be for you, but you need to write it down somewhere and that's going to remind you of the reason for the goal that you have. That's going to tie you to the why and create, again, that sense of urgency and purpose. And it's going to help you with the stick to itness factor. M uh, of SMART goals is measurable. There's going to, these are, are less than the first one I mentioned, but measurable. Provide a way to evaluate. So you set up, depending on what your goal is, use metrics and targeted dates. Make sure it's measurable. It has to be it, it has to be measurable. If it's not measured, it's not going to get done. What gets measured gets done. As some uh, famous business guru said or leadership guru said a long time ago, what get, gets measured gets done. You need to measure it. You need to have certain metrics on this. It doesn't mean they can't change. I'll give you an example. So I had certain metrics for myself. I wanted to go through and I wanted to, uh, I want to write a book. Well, I put a, a way... Uh, way unrealistic expectation and a deadline on on me finishing my rough draft. So I ha- I've had to extend that out further, months further, because I underestimated how rough my spring and summer was going to be. So now I've, I've ex- I have to extend it now to the end of the year. These can change, but you need to have these somewhere out there uh, that that are measured and because what's what gets measured gets done. It needs to be attainable. It needs to be within your scope, but it needs to be within your scope, but a, but able to be accomplished while stretching. So it has to be a stretch goal, not something that's so easy that you're just going to accomplish it because if you just crush it really fast, it probably wasn't enough of a challenge to begin with. So I think you need to have just an omen of stretching. The R, uh, now we're talking, you know, specific, measurable, attainable R is relevant. Make sure, again, it comes with a big enough Y. And make sure it makes sense to you. Take into account your gifts and your talents and your time and your margin. Make sure it's relevant to you and your life. And time-bound. State when you'll get it done. And this is when you need to nail it down and be specific. SMART goals. SMART goals are not a new idea, but they are such a great way for us to crush those goals, to reach that vision, to have the end game, to evaluate the scoreboard for us men of faith, uh, to go out in a personal, relational, uh, just whether it's in your workspace, uh, in your marriage, in every aspect of life. SMART goals are a great way for us to crush our goals and feel good doing it. Well, this concludes the podcast of the five ways to fight discouragement and confusion. The first one was find your purpose. The second was listening and learning. The third was ride the waves, talking about grit, determination, and perseverance. The fourth was enjoy your crew. And the fifth is knowing your end game, knowing your desired destination. And gentlemen, we will end with this. Become a mentor, find a mentor, and always be a better man. This Men of Iron podcast is brought to you by Men of Iron. 
If you're interested in getting involved in or supporting the vision of changing a culture one man at a time, or you simply want to know more about our Strong 27 mentorship experience, Equilibrium retreats, Anchored Man video series, or Men of Iron Plus, go to menofiron.org.